Hello, hello. Welcome to Gestalten, the automotive design podcast. My name is Eric, and this is my colleague, Martin. Hello. So it's, it's hard to believe that we've actually been doing this for four consecutive episodes now. Oh, yeah. Um, it's been a lot of fun, and uh, I really appreciate all of you guys uh, listening and um, now viewing, because obviously we're taking it up a notch and going into video. So um, basically... Gestalten is what it says on the tin, as they say in England. It's all about automotive design and covering the cars, design, and the people behind the project. So to kind of sum up what we're going to talk about today, it's going to start off now with a few new cars that have been unveiled recently. We're going to then move into some a discussion on satellite design studios. Ultimately, we will wrap it up and come into a another um, section, if you will, uh, and discuss um, some design schools that we've recently been to and the work that we've seen through there. And then we'll wrap it up again. And so obviously, we are here in Concept House, which is Martin is the co-founder of this design consultancy. And so we're here in basically Martin's man cave right now. <laughs> Um, recording this from Munich. And so as a design consultancy, Mar and which I am now part of as well, uh, we are basically out here looking to source candidates and help people in the automotive design industry um, build up their studios. And so we have a few positions that we'd like to also discuss that are currently on the books. So let's just dive right into it. So the new cars that have been unveiled recently, um, I know that there's one that is <laughs> particularly close to your heart. It, for those of you that don't know, Martin is a diehard Aston fan. I am indeed. He owns one, if we I can am. say that. Yes. Uh, and it, I think Martin owns a Vantage, a V8 Vantage, which I think is one of the prettiest Aston Martins ever um, of the new uh, era, you know, I mean, we're not talking DB5s and things, but yes, um, I do rate his car quite, <laughs> quite highly. Um, but recently, we've seen this DBS Super Legera. Yes, we have. And um, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna let you lead with that because <laughs> I know you have very strong opinions well, on yeah, this. I mean, we, when it first came out, I remember I texted you, and I said, I want to cry. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel about this car. Not cry in a very, very positive way, I have to say. Um, as you mentioned, like, you know, I, I have a Vantage and I have, you know, for me, the 2006 Vantage, when it first came out, which was designed by Team Ryan, Henrik Fisker, mm -hmm. was the kind of high point of modern Aston Martins. Uh, it was really this kind of idea of being simple, really good surfaces, and it was just a beautiful car. The proportions were absolutely Absolutely, perfect. yes. Um, and it really got to me when I remember first the DB10 came out. Hmm. And I was just like, whoa, the DB10 just blew me away. I was like, I want to have... This is the perfect kind of successor of the Vantage. And so I was quite critical of the, the new Vantage that they released at some point this year. And I didn't really like it. You hmm. know? But this is not the point here that we want to talk about the Vantage. We want to talk about the DBS. And... I'm hurt. I'm really, really hurt. <laughs> um, if you look at the car, I mean, like I said, we discussed it before, but 
it's not an Aston Martin for me anymore. It is a very, very clear, you know, kind of way we want to move into a 911, a Porsche kind of way. And this is never what Aston Martin was for me, mm. for me personally, in terms of design. You know, Aston Martin was always beautiful. Um, there was a certain kind of simplicity to it that they almost perfected in, in, in their development. Mm. And the new DBS is just not like that anymore. It has extras. It just doesn't need. I mean, we can look at the the hood. You know, the front grille looks for me just like, hey, I, I don't want to buy an MX-5 or an MX-7. Mm, mm. I want to buy an Aston Martin. Um, the rear looks like a Porsche. Yes, like quite. The lights were definitely, I mean, they were probably sourced from the same supply. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I think it's... There's a lot of things that are appearing just kind of over-designed and getting into, especially in this kind of supercar arena, mm-hmm. um, far more vulgar, I think, yeah. is, the, is the right word to use, than they really need to be. And there's a lot of elements on this car that just really make it, um, you know, very aggressive. Yeah. Um, and I, I quite liked the outgoing DBS. I know that you weren't a, a, yeah. a huge fan. You think it's too long. But I think it's proportionately... Um, was was right and you know with the new one there's there's a lot of things that I just certain addendum and mostly detail elements yeah. that just really are jarring for what my image of Aston Martin is and it's it's a gentleman's car right that's the James it's Bond James Bond this you is know? exactly the thing if we look into the DB10 um, the DBN, DB10 was a James Bond car obviously it was Inspector so, but it had the kind of attitude of being a James Bond car <laughs> New Vantage is not a James Bond car anymore. Mm. The new DBS is not a James Bond car anymore. It's too aggressive. I don't. I would never believe that you know the kind of James Bond figure would go into such an aggressive car. Mm-hmm. There is just something that, with the the image that comes obviously with Aston, uh, plays a significant role into this. You know, let's be very very honest. It's, it's that kind of picture that we yeah. have. I think if it would be, you know, the Bentley or if it would be like a, a Jaguar, we would talk a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. But because it is an Aston and it loses this kind of simple but absolutely beautiful appeal for me in that kind of car. And I've seen, you know, dozens of pictures of mm-hmm. it so far. Mm-hmm. And really is the problem. I just don't realize that, you know, I don't think it's a nice Aston. This, right. this is the thing for me. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, so you know, that's why I like ranting about this car a lot. But we also have to say, I mean, probably the engine is fantastic. You know, mm. we haven't had the chance to, to, to drive one yet. No. Um, when we really talk about design, it's like you know, this is the question: Is it still an Aston? I would yeah. say no. For me personally, it's not. Right. You know, for you, I mean, I I think you know, I mean, there's 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 a lot going on. You know, it's not, uh, and that's just generally the way that, that it's going, it seems mm-hmm. to be. It's like, you know, add more and, you know, um, but it, it doesn't, to me, speak from an exterior design perspective um, to Aston. Now, in the interior, I quite like, you know, the, the various different colorways, the yeah. way that you can personalize it. And it's like all of these things. Um, it's also very on trend in terms of what you can do with the yeah. door panels and this like marble kind of element. Um, you know, obviously it's not marble, yeah. but, um, you know, it, it, it's this, uh, this aesthetic, which we're seeing like everywhere now mm-hmm. used on the exterior interior in terms of, um, it's, it's a decor element, yeah. you know I mean? Um, it, rather than traditional carbon fiber and things, which is now kind of, you know, just creeping into every car. You yeah. Know? yeah. I and mean, you can find carbon fiber in a Hyundai. So, um, but 
I, I'm with you on, you know, certain uh, aspects. Now, we'll see. Ultimately, you know, the buyer obviously makes the decisions um, at the end of the day. And we'll see if um, people uh, flock to this vehicle. Now, it's it's interesting that most of the pictures that I've seen are of the car in red with a black roof. Whether or not they're going to allow the, um, the cat rails to be yeah. of a different color uh, as they as they have in the DB11, which is you know another kind of couture element, if you will, to um, really personalize the car. Um, you know that would be a different uh, addition as well. So um, anyway, that that's uh, one of the new cars that was revealed um, most recently, and we're going to see this in Goodwood. Um, is the Ital Design collaboration with the uh, Nissan. Uh, GTR and the GTR 50 is what they're calling it because of obviously both of the companies celebrating 50 years of uh, engineering expertise is what uh, Alfonso Albeza calls it. Now, I think it's uh, an interesting car from, you know, that uh, perspective where it's a really limited edition bespoke vehicle that for the moment, as far as I know, they've only created a one-off. They have one car that Nissan engineer or designers rather apparently went to Ital Design, integrated themselves into that studio, and started basically, um, you know, reworking yeah. what is a uh, uh, let's be honest, a very old design now. Um, you know, so it was. It, it's good to kind of if they don't have a successor right right away, it's still good to generate interest in yeah. what is mechanically. And we know some designers um, own this vehicle because of the fact that it's just a beast in terms of it performance. Big, yeah. um, so, you know, it's not to everyone's taste. Uh, clearly, um, there's certain things that I like about it that. You know, um, again, the colorways, I think, is, again, very on trend. The gold bits, the tail lamps in particular, quite nice. Yeah, but, you know, like, I've mentioned this a few times already when we talked about new cars. This is, like, those kind of limited edition, bespoke, those kind of things is... Why? You know, this Mm. is the thing for me. It's like, I like the GTR. The GTR, for me, the way it is, Mm. I don't need limited edition. It is that simple if anybody's ever driven in that kind of car the only thing I want to have out of this car is more extreme Mm. and this is kind of you know trying to bring this kind of hardcore experience um, into like an old couture for me it doesn't really make a lot of sense in terms of a design perspective either you do a super high performance Mm. you know Mm. but this is not really designed to be even crazier you know, it has this kind of, you want to, of course, you want to celebrate and stuff like that. But I'd rather have it that the guys over at Nissan just said, okay, let's go to Nismo. Mm. Let's go super crazy. Like, you know, as crazy as we can get with this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like, Ital Design has this kind of, you know, more innovative, you know, like innovation approach, what we saw with the Airbus thingy and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like that. So, I don't know. I'm not a biggest fan. I'm also like, you know, um, I, I don't like gold on cars. <laughs> like, you know, it's just something for me. Yeah. Um, and it is in the end, it is, it, it is just, a, it's just another body kit. Mm. You know, like, mm. it, I, I really have those kind of issues with those kind of cars. It's like, it's nothing new, you know, like nothing really new. It's not, it's something that we build on something old. And as you mentioned correctly, mm. this car is pretty much at the end. No, oh, yeah, absolutely. The last facelift came out last year. Mm. Abs- as we mentioned, absolute beast. Yeah, 
but um, yeah, go more into performance. You know, I, I think in terms of design, it's absolutely perfect in what it is. Mm. If you've ever stood in front of it, you, you're scared of the whole thing. You know, it's <laughs> absolutely mental. But, um, you know, even if you sit inside, it has this kind of, you know, spaceship-like approach to the whole interior. And I like that. Mm. You don't need to push it further. I think it's they could have taken another car um, and pushed that maybe onto a different level, kind of level, but GTR... I'll stick to the original. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the answer to your question why is is quite simple, right? I mean, the car is near the end of its life. They can charge a shed load of money to get some limited editions out for people that want them. Apparently, they did do some minor performance enhancements as well. But the person that buys this is going to want to keep it perhaps as a collector's item. They're not going to, you know, if you, if you want just pure performance, you want to get out and drive like a bat out of hell on the Autobahn, then you're going to buy the original car. You're not going to spend money on something that is essentially an art piece. Well, that's what they want. You know, Um, there's... So anyway, that is uh, interesting um, from uh, from the more recent cars. And then ultimately, there's this little guy that was um, revealed quite recently as well, which is the new Suzuki Jimny. And, uh, and, and I really, you know, I, I always have liked just bare bones kind of cars, yeah. you know? Um, and, you know, I mean, if you, if you look just to kind of a side note for the, for the last, like the GTR car, um, you know, new design boss, Alfonso Albeza, he wants to kind of make a mark with design, yeah. obviously, right? All Every new design director wants to do something. At the moment, he hasn't really, all of these projects were yeah. signed off well before. So this was a chance for him, I think, to also get into uh, collaboration with Ital Design, which they've never done. But also, um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting... Because last year at Pebble Beach, they unveiled this Infinity Prototype mm-hmm. 9, which wasn't um, generally well-received by the designers. Uh, I thought it was, it was a, a good uh, – and, and a lot of people thought it was um, you know, a really cool electric car, kind yeah. of looking down a history that Nissan or Infinity never had, yeah. which was kind of weird. But there were a lot of people saying, I will buy that. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know? And that's why basically he, he I think, you know, uh, ultimately – um, had that conversation and ultimately came up with uh, building a limited GTR. edition GTR. It's okay. So complete polar opposite now. We've got the Jimny, which is <laughs> such such a cute little utilitarian vehicle. I love this thing. I, I absolutely <laughs> love this thing. I am, um, you know, because obviously we are in our office here and you know where my desk is. And on my desk, there's this little, in case you don't know this car, look it up. It's called the Suzuki Hustler. Mm. Yeah, it's really called Hustler. Yeah, it's, it's like, uh, whoever came up with that name, that marketing department is not a great idea. But that little thing is fantastic. It's mm. a K car, only available in Japan, I think to a certain degree in, in, in Russia as well. Mm. But um, it's this fantastic, you know, in my opinion, I always call it the, you know, you put a Hummer H2 into, the, the, into, a, into a dryer, put it on for too long, and then the Suzuki Hustler comes out of it. I love this thing. You know, I know it's weird. I know it's strange, but I love this kind yeah. of thing. I saw the, um, uh, the, the the new Jimny, and I was just like, man, it's just a bigger brother of the Hustler. Mm. You know, it's 
for it, it just for me is this kind of perfect little utility thing. Mm-hmm. You know? Of course, it's a Suzuki, so we know it's probably a little bit you know shaky from time to time. Right. But in terms of design, it's simple. Mm. You know, there is pretty much it's almost like the better um, the better G class. Mm-hmm. It's much simpler. It's not like over the top. People like watching it and stuff like that. So it's really, really nice. And I literally, I mean, I, 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 the picture I saw, I fell in love. And then we, I, I saw on Facebook uh, that uh, David Beasley did his own little Photoshop and like, you know, this super cool um, uh, off-road vehicle out of I made this off-road vehicle okay. out of it. Yeah. And I was like, man, I would love to have that. Yeah, that's really, really cool. So yeah, Jimny, I'm 100% down. Love the whole thing. Mm. So it, it's it's really interesting because, I mean, obviously I like it as well. I think it's really simple. It's basic. It's, you know, they're playing around with a couple of different color options for yeah. the exterior. It's got a black roof, which is like, again, the, the split, the colorway split is very on trend. Um, but it's a little Jeep and it's something that we all kind of know and associate with fun yeah. and adventure and all of that. Um, now, it's probably going to be cheap as anything. I mean, I would imagine. Um, but, you know, the little Suzuki's are always have always been known for being able to tackle all sorts of terrain. Yes. And I think in terms of, you know, from a design perspective, I think a lot of people really gravitate towards this car because of the fact that it's so simple. So it's really hilarious uh, to me looking at what's happening in the kind of um, supercar and premium car arena um, and then seeing what Suzuki and Honda um, showed with, you know, their little concept where it's just, it's like a product design, like super bare bones, really simplistic um, and generally just basic design. Um, So you've got all these people that are gravitating towards these really simple designs and then what we're seeing actually come out of studios is like just like whoa you know like we'll put a little crease here and you know you know and all this aggression so it just doesn't make much sense to me but i think as a you know for the brief for this little vehicle this little runabout um i think it's 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 really really quite nice i like it it (laughs) comes down to the fact what you just said it has this kind of easygoing approach Hmm. you know it's it's almost like you know taking a step back from the designers and it's like hey what is it that actually you know listening to the customers what is it that they want from a Jimny you know what I mean of course we will hear people and say just like oh it looks like a G wagon and you know Hmm. I can understand that and that's probably valid as well but it doesn't change the fact that it's a fun thing (laughs) it's that Simple. Yes. You know, and I I like that. I like that kind of, you know, almost like this boyish charm that comes out of these kind of designs, especially out of Japan lately. Mm. I mean, you know, it's the complete opposite of the Nissan, of course, uh, but it it is something like bringing the joy back into car design rather than this aggressiveness, aggressiveness that we see, you know, at the moment. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, the Aston is a good example for that. We had, um, you know, the, the Audi Q8 I think yeah. last time when we spoke about, which was this kind of massive thing as well. Mm-hmm. It's like, guys, in the end, it's about, you know, enjoying the car. And it's like, you know, mm-hmm. like bringing a smile to your face. So people should not be scared of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. They should they should smile when they see the whole thing. And with the, like I said, when I saw the Jimny for the first time, I had to smile. And that was a good sign. Yes, yes. Different target buyers, though. I mean, you know, there's the 
extroverted, you know, guy who's buying the Q8, and then there's the guy who just wants a really fun little thing to run around on the weekend who doesn't care much about what people yeah. really think in terms of, you know, strutting their stuff and image and things. Anyway. Oh, yeah, make a smile. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I like smiling, too. <laughs> so now we're going to move into another kind of segment. I mean, we're talking about we're talking about design studios and designers, um, but design studios, obviously there's always a hub for, you know, things coming out of Japan. Like you mentioned, you know, we've got Honda, Nissan, you know, Toyota, and their main hub is in Japan. But then you've got a lot of these companies that are starting and have had satellite, you mm-hmm. know, like in... Um, in uh, LA, for example, Calti, which is Toyota's design yeah. studio, has been there the longest. I mean, they have been in Southern California since 1978. So there's satellite studios in various different parts of the globe for a wide variety mm-hmm. of automakers. Um, so the question is, you know, what is the value of these yeah. design studios in these various different parts of the world? Um, I find it a tricky topic, to be very, very honest. Um, because if we if we really analyze a little bit in terms of, you know, what is what is an important thing about a car manufacturer is, of course, first of all, they have to produce cars. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how they make money. They don't make money just because they have great ideas. They make money because they sell a product, which in the end is a car. So if we're really honest about how to produce a car is that design has to be as close as possible to the to the manufacturing lines to reassure that their designs that they have come up with that they've developed are really coming through in production you know, mm. that's that's i think the fundamental first point so, well there's definitely a need for synergy but I, anyway go on yeah and then when we when we talk about the the external studio so like you know the satellite studios the question of this is what is their role in the whole situation Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's the main question. I mean, if you know, you, you mentioned Calti before. You know, um, we see the Mercedes Studios in California. Like, you know, the hopefully to open soon studio in France of Mercedes. You know, we have some of the Chinese manufacturers coming over to, to Germany in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, so each of them, I think, have a different kind of objective. I think in the long term. The objective is, you know, are we going to stay within the satellite system or is something happening such as a BMW Design Works, you know, which is more like a consultancy mixed with satellite? Hmm. You know, what, 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 is the, what is the really, really big goal of those kind of things? These are, these are the really big questions, yeah? And I think it's really then, you know, we need to discuss in the sense of just like, do those satellite studios make sense? That's hmm. the one question, yeah? And also, what are they being used for? Yeah. No, those are definitely questions that uh, need to be answered, um, obviously, before any people start breaking ground anywhere. I think satellite design studios have uh, a huge role to play in, um, you know, these uh, these global car makers. I mean, let's let's face it, right? There's no car maker is selling purely domestically anymore. People want to expand into other markets and be present where sales are happening. So take Mercedes, for example, you know, which you cited having a design studio in Carlsbad, which is producing um, at the last two Pebble Beach um, shows some incredible um, AMG Maybach, um, you know, concepts. And, you know, these are like everything that we believe 
uh, you know, AMG should be producing and Maybach should be in terms of, you know, a swooping, beautiful, like, you know, flowing silhouette yeah. of a car that's extremely long, the perfect idealistic GT. Um, but then, you know, see what happened in the Beijing Advanced Design Studio where they created that um, SUV, coupe. <laughs> SUV coupe thing, which generally speaking in Europe, was not well received um, from most of the Western uh, media and, you know, potential interested parties. Now, I don't know. I don't have, um, you know, an, an, an amazing amount of um, money. Uh, you know, I don't live in Saudi or whatever. Yeah. And so it, it's not something that appeals to me personally. And now perhaps, um, you know, the Saudi prince is thinking, hey, this is amazing and this is great. And perhaps the guy who's living in Shanghai or in Beijing mm. sees something like this as unique and, and uh, you know, can identify yeah. with such a, a project. So I think it's really important for automakers to have satellite design studios. I mean, for the very reason Calti was yeah. set up was because they needed to get some insight into what was happening in back then the biggest uh, car market in the world, you know, um, in California was is the biggest car market in yeah. the U.S., which then was the largest car market in the world. Obviously, it's been surpassed since then. But um, and there's there's a variety of different reasons as well besides the fact that they need to get some insight into what's happening in the markets. But it's also take for example. Um, you know, Great Wall. Right? Yeah. Who the hell wants to go and live in Baoding? Yeah. You know what I mean? So you set up a design studio in a place like, you know, Southern California, which Great Wall is not present, but it's very, very easy to attract talent. Sure. And then they can feed back ideas into the main hub. Yeah. Look, I, I understand, obviously. So if I want to play devil's advocate now, yeah, um, the question that comes up, and you know, I can be devil's advocate, but I could also be a purchasing department mm -hmm. or like you know, finance department, and say just like, well, what is then wrong with our internal departments? You know, do they not have the ability to do those kind of projects, such as the Maybach, you know, uh, both in in China as well as in the US? Could they not just do that at home? Mm. You know, yeah. that's the question, obviously, that comes up. So. The, the idea, and we see that with like all these kind of UX labs, you know, happening up in, in, in Silicon Valley, for example. Yeah. So are those really being, you know, are, are those really being open in the sense that we want to know what's going on in the new kind of ideas of UX or user interfaces and graphics or stuff like that? Or is that just because you want to be present? You know, I, I do think to a certain kind of degree it's a mix. Because if you look around into the into the industry, you will find, and we spoke about UX, you know, lately mm. uh, in the last podcast. The potential is there, you know, but it might be that depending on your plan for those kind of studios, as Calty, for example, makes a lot of sense, you know, Mercedes, do they have to have a studio in France? Mm. You know, do they have to have a, a studio in uh, China? I would kind of understand big market for them. Mm. Do they have to have a studio in, in, in California? Mm. You know, it would be interesting to see what happens if, uh, you know, the guys over in, in Zimmelfingen would would be allowed to do that kind of, you know, that kind of Maybach thing. So mm -hmm. it, that, that is the really, really interesting kind of point. And this is the question that I, I would like to bring up in that kind of case, you know, like what, what would happen if, if they wouldn't have those satellites? What would you think? Well, I think if they didn't have a dedicated kind of building, it would make things 
perhaps a bit more complicated, but they, there's no reason why they couldn't do it. And like, for example, when, um, when they were building the new Phantom, yeah. um, Rolls-Royce sent a team of designers to my neighborhood in, um, you know, in, in London. So, um, you know, it's, it's not like a very well-to-do neighborhood, but at the same time, it's very much, you know, in the, it, I think basically it idealizes what Rolls-Royce buyers would yeah. kind of, uh, you know, envisage yeah. coming from, you know, Rolls-Royce. So they were, they were sent there basically to feed off of the surroundings. And then, you know, they probably did a few sketches and came back, um, to, to Munich, which is where the design studio is for Rolls-Royce. Um, so they didn't really need a space. Obviously they didn't have computers and, you know, all of this like, um, stuff that, most satellite studios have, you know, satellite studios also, some of them are big enough to accommodate full-size plates and develop like concepts and create, um, full-scale production cars in certain cases. Um, you know, but it's really, I think ultimately it's the ideas that need to flow. So, you know, for Rolls Royce, that was, you know, perfect. The first Phantom was actually done in design works in California. The, um, and, and also, like, uh, for X products, um, Chris Bangle basically sent an entire team out to, um, to Malibu, yeah. where they rented this beach house. It's like, it's got a weird name. I can't remember. It's like the Blue Project or something. And basically, he went and sent people over there. And then when they came back, um, yeah, he, he tells the story, like, quite, it's quite a funny story. Basically, they came back with nothing, <laughs> is his, and... And, but ultimately they did have, you know, certain influence while they were there, which they fed off of. And then ultimately they pieced it all together and they came up with the, the program, the start, the inception of this, you know, new program, which, um, was, let's face it, ultimately very successful. It led to a string of vehicles. Um, but it was done in a house that they rented on the shores in Malibu. And that's exactly the question. Yeah. Like, you know. Would, would those companies, if they would do those kind of trips, mm. long-term trips, whatever, you know, three months or whatever, would they still be able to do it? You mm. know, And I really think it depends, again, very much on the strategy, what you want to have from that studio. And I think, um, again, the question is, do they only have to be advanced studios? There's so many advanced studios in the world nowadays, mm-hmm. you know. And I think if we look into, in particular, China, it's not about finding out what the Chinese want. They're very open to tell you what they want. So mm. it's about getting it done, you know, yeah. getting, it, getting it really done so that you can get it onto the street. Yeah. Um, and this is the interesting part with those kind of satellite studios. And I think, you know, um, guys such as, you know, Kauti did a good job with that, to mm. be very, very honest. Yeah. Mm. If you, you want to say Ford and Cologne, you know, obviously they did a lot of the, 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 the smaller range cars. If we want to be very, very straightforward, even though they produce there as well, it is kind of, you know, dependency on, or, you know, of the, the Detroit studio. Mm. Um, so that's the interesting part. So like, it depends, like, you know, what you're going to give them as a, as a job. And, uh, and we hear that all the time when we talk to people and it, you know, comes down to, to satellite studios. Okay. So what is the actual job behind it? Are we just making nice sketches or, yeah. you know, are we, are we really going all the way? Well, I, I think there's, it, it's still like, it, it goes a bit deeper than that, right? I think ultimately, and you and I bo- well know this, um, you know, being in the business that you're in, we see this often. It's 
talent. Yeah. It ultimately comes down to the people. So, you know, these things don't create themselves, right? Like, so you need to attract talent um, and have that talent feed in a certain amount of ideas. Now, they, you know, design studios like Ford, for example, hold competitions within these different studios and they come in with a variety of different sketches and input into the same project. And the, for example, the GT, um, you know, that started off in a basement design studio in, um, in, uh, in Detroit, right? In, um, in, in Dearborn. But the interior, was something that was done virtually, you know, with a couple of guys that, you know, I mean, the Ingenie Design Studio is basically just a bunch of RCA grads. Yeah. And they're the ones that really came up with the interior for that vehicle. Um, so, you know, they fed ideas back and forth, but ultimately the key sketch came out of Ingenie. Yeah. Um, so I think also move back into talent, it's for example, like, you know, we were talking UI UX, the Volkswagen design studio yeah. up in Silicon Valley. Yeah. Um, it's easier to go where the people are. You've got a variety of UX, exactly. UI UX designers, which are based in San Francisco, which want to live there and don't necessarily want to live in Wolfsburg, yeah. you know what I mean? So Wolfsburg is, you know, perhaps, uh, you know, a great place to build cars. But when you're looking for ideas it's easier to, uh, you know, go where the UX designers are. Exactly. And I, I do 100% agree on that. You know, there's certain kind of locations. You mentioned Great Wall earlier with Bowding, and we know a few people who have worked there in the past. Mm -hmm. I, I think, you know, location is a massive point in attracting that kind of talent. Mm -hmm. you know? And in the end, it's just like, you know, if, if, if you can use that talent in that studio it might actually be worth more to you than, you know, not having them, to mm -hmm. be honest. You might win more, you know, in that regard. I mean, you can see that with Volvo, which have a quite small studio up in, um, you know, in LA. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, they've come up with the key sketch for the XC40 over there. You know, so you can see that those kind of guys, you know, sometimes it is as simple as having a lot of people, you know, just moving over to, let's say, Sweden or Germany. Or, mm -hmm. You know, it's really... It's really that big of a problem sometimes. Mm -hmm. If you then have the opportunity just to still have them on board, it might be then remotely and picking up different yeah. location. But um, that's still the fundamental point to, to attract those kind of guys. But yeah. Um, yeah, but this is really then the big question I think for, you know, in the long term is like, you know, where do you kind of situate those things? Because we see this trend, it costs a lot of money to have them, mm -hmm. yeah, especially up in Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. So the question is, <laughs> From a really money perspective, and I think a lot of people who you know, listen to us, they know that money is a big issue when it comes to car design as well. Um, the question is how, how many people can afford this mm. and want to afford it. I think that's the big question. Yes. Yes. So, a lot of questions. Um, by all means, send us through your comments. Let us know your thoughts. We always value your feedback and your opinions. Yes. And, you know, we really, I mean... There's pros and cons. So, you know, let us know what you think. Um, but I think it's time now to move on to the next kind of discussion that we should be having. Now, it's the high point of the college exhibition season. Um, we're seeing, you know, graduate shows, all these designers that are coming out of design schools, whether it's in the UK or in, um, in Germany, it's soon to be in California. It's uh, 
all over the globe, designers are graduating. We've been to a few shows uh, recently, and um, you know some of the work is is quite good. Um, from Coventry, from Umea, uh, I was well impressed by a lot of the the flat work and the ideas. Um, but you know, it, there's one thing that kind of gets me about college shows, and the RCA, for example, always used to be very conceptual. Yeah, extremely conceptual, and I think it's the perfect time for a designer to really spread their wings. And um, you see, you see a lot of portfolios come through, yeah. and I, I think, really, when you're a young designer, a new designer, and you really need to come out and show your creativity. And I'm going to do a, a bit more of a longer kind of session on this, but I did want to just kind of talk about that very briefly because you're never going to have the chance that you do when you're in university. Yeah. And I think it's really a great opportunity to show your creativity because when you've got people like, you know, Stefan Silaf walking through the show, a lot of the things, and, you know, they did sponsor a, uh, a project over there. And what they're looking for really is the next phase where they could potentially take Bentley. That's why they drop, you know, that amount of cash to sponsor a school. They don't want to see something that they could potentially get on the road uh, in two years' time because they already have that. (laughs) They've done that. Um, So it it just, yeah, it riles me up when I see designers um, creating things that are like nowhere, you know, not as ambitious, I suppose, in terms of creativity. Yeah. I mean... You know, we, we had this discussion before and, and, and I want to bring this up again. I mean, what we see really from the students is still a massive kind of focus on exterior. Mm. Yeah. And I don't know why. Maybe it's because it's sculptural. Maybe it's because it's more artistic. I have no idea. Yeah. But what we hear from all these kind of people going to these shows, I want to see more interiors. Mm. Yeah, you know, I was really in this kind of position where I say I'm. I've seen most of this before. You know, if we're looking into what is the car in 2030, I think we're now we're going more into 2040. Actually, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, yeah, like it's it's gonna be almost the same. Mm. You know, like so many students doing exactly the same thing in slight variations, and of course, then you know the design directors will say it's like it's not what we want to see anymore it's all the same you know use the kind of creativity that you have you know the students need to tell a story there were very very few that we've seen in you know all these kind of shows that we went to that were able to tell a story mm-hmm. great sketches you know great renderings the, the level in general is you know fundamentally great it's mm. really really good but storytelling yeah. You know, interior development. We spoke with someone at the RCA because we, you know, we obviously there together. Mm. Um, who said, "I'm even looking into like the little models. I want to see what they did in the interior, even though they have no interior sketches." So you get into the kind of points like, you know, you guys want to have a job coming straight out of, uh, of out of university. You know, be smart enough to find the the things that they will do. Mm-hmm. You know, that they will hire you for. Yeah, and, yeah and, absolutely. And this was really, really a big thing. Like, I mean, uh, in the RCA, there was uh, one guy who did an interior. There was, uh, you know, one girl who did a, a really, really cool kind of sound concept, a you know, UX concept. Yeah, star. And everything else was the exterior. <laughs> you know. That's right. Yeah, and another thing that was, um, you know, kind of, I mean. Disappointing, I should say. You know, when you're a student, you really need to like 
learn all aspects of, you know, automotive design. I think, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to be working with alias concept modelers. You're going to be working with clay modelers. You're going to be working with a huge team of mm -hmm. people, but you kind of need to know. That's why I think the students that start off with an engineering background um, ultimately turn out to be, I'm generalizing, but yeah. they have a better kind of grasp of what it is that they Work need to do. Industrial background. Yeah. yeah. Like the industrial design to automotive has, has exactly. shown very good. Yes. has been very, very fruitful. Right. So when you come from a different background, or at least when you do various different jobs, um, so Swansea, for example, yeah. the guys, they do everything from start to finish, you know, your sketches, your ideation, the narrative, building the story, everything down to the clay model, which they sand and paint yeah. themselves. Um, that to me goes a long way. It's more than, you know, it, it's more than just creating an eye catching model, which is going to obviously draw attention, but that's been created in China and you spent a hell of a lot of money shipping it over there. Um, you know, ultimately it takes away, it detracts from the amount of time that you can spend into designing it because you have to finish everything yeah. and ship it to China. And by the time it comes back and, you know, thankfully now, apparently the process of shipping back and forth between China and the UK is, uh, is, uh, is, is, is flawless. Um, but you know, in the past there have been, and I've seen this happen at, you know, years ago in Coventry where there was a student that had created uh, a car. Um, that the story was great and unfortunately his model just didn't make it yeah. because it was stuck in customs. Yeah. It hadn't been cleared. Um, there's other instances where, you know, the color was completely off, yeah. you know, um, so you're taking risks. Maybe the risks now are kind of mitigated because of that, you know, journey is quite smooth and you deal with proper suppliers, but you're still spending a boatload of cash and ultimately you're not really learning how to create this yourself. Yeah, exactly. And it's also, I mean, let's be very, very honest, what a lot of people underestimate is that we see this trend that design to, the studios are getting smaller. Mm. So the competition to actually find new jobs is going to, you know, increase. And so it's then really about finding out, like, you know, where can you as a student really show what you can do, mm -hmm. you know? And I think this is then, if we see like still the majority of things and we, we spoke to a number of, um, of design directors and you know VPs or whatever and they said if I have no problems finding exterior designers mm -hmm. you know like, it's really simple yeah? yeah so if you have I don't know 200 threads every single year <laughs> and 190 of them are doing you know exterior of course the other 10 will get you know the, the 10 who will do an interior will get a job mm -hmm. but not just because they're great, they're probably just all right, but they have done interior, mm -hmm. you know. And this is the really, really big thing. It's just like, you know, you have to be smart enough not just to, to in car design, of course, follow your heart, follow like what you what you love doing. Mm. If you absolutely love exteriors, that's that's the way you should go. But at the same time, be smart enough, mm -hmm. you know. Not everybody can be Sasha Silipano for Daniel Simon, those kind of guys, you know. Mm. Those are extra class talents. You know, like they, they came out of school and everybody's like, I want to have this guy. Mm. They had 10 offers on the table, I would assume. Mm. You know, mm. that doesn't happen to everybody. So yeah. you have to be smart enough to, to make the right choices. And, and sometimes that means it's like, hey, um, you know, develop something different or like go into a different direction. And yeah. uh, one last thing I wanted to say, you know, uh, the king is dead. Long live the king. Exterior design is not king anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. King is now interior. Yeah. And if, if you want to do the, the, the king discipline nowadays, also in terms of complexity with all the components and stuff like that, 
you know, interior is a big challenge. That's why a lot of people are looking for it. Yes, yes. Um, it's, it's, I, I think also you have to look at where opportunities are. Yeah. Um, you know, not only do you have to really showcase your creativity and show that you're really moving the game on, coming up with ideas that, you know, someone else may not have thought about or something that is going to be, um, you know, in a long term, mm -hmm. uh, viable for the company that's looking to employ you. They don't want to see a one trick pony. They don't want, you know, one guy that can follow. They don't want yes men. They want people that are going to come in. That's what they're hiring you for yeah. is your creativity. And ultimately when there are opportunities that present themselves, be it exterior design or interior design rather, or UX or clay modeling, I mean, pick a vocation, um, that, you know, you're kind of, you know, sure to land. Obviously, you need to follow your passion, as you mentioned, because that's the only way that you ever excel and become good at something. Um, but ultimately, originality, creativity, and looking for what is really needed yeah. um, is going to get you somewhere. So on that note, let's talk about what's currently going on in the industry in and the job world, what yeah. we're looking in terms of, of, of staffing. So we actually have, um, I think our main focus at the moment, if I would bring it down is interior designers. I mean, we just spoke about it. There's mm -hmm. a massive need for interior designers. Yeah. So, um, we are indeed looking for quite a few people mm -hmm. um, all over Europe. Yeah. To be very, very honest. Uh, color trim as well. Mm -hmm. Very interesting has kind of, you know, gone up massively over the past few months so we didn't really expect that mm. um, and in returns of exterior sorry guys not that much going on at the moment <laughs> um, yeah. but this doesn't have anything to do with like you know that uh, you know you're not good enough it's just that I think you know the, 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 the companies are quite settled and yeah, it's saturated. teams are getting a little bit smaller um, but also um, what you just mentioned in terms of you know like people getting into the industry um, you know 3D modeling, CAD modeling is, mm -hmm. is really becoming more and more and more important when we yeah. see, you know, clay is more being used as a confirmation tool or, you know, being started later in the process. So, you know, alias guys in particular, uh, all girls, of course, mm -hmm. um, you know, like we, we, we have a lot of demand for those kind of guys all over Europe as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like amazing how many um, people are looking for alias uh, modelers. I mean, it's... It's astounding just the, the level of demand for that role and for clay models yeah. and clay modelers as well. Um, you know, so it's not just, you know, design as in, you know, what we know yeah. to be design. Um, and, but there's a range of different opportunities available within this industry that, you know, people need to tap into and recognize yeah. those um, and focus on, on something that's new. So, yeah. And if you, you know, if you look for a job, give us a call. Yeah. By all means, we're going to, we're going to drop some stuff, maybe, you know, in the links in the description and, you know, ways to contact us as well, but you can find us easily on the concept house website. So just look it up concept house with a K or on form trends. You can just shoot me an email uh, or a direct message on any one of these uh, social channels. Or LinkedIn works as well. LinkedIn. So exactly. A bunch of options. Yeah. Them. Before we, before we wrap it up, we have some cool news about this as well. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, um, as Eric mentioned in the beginning, so we're recording this on video. So, we will be doing this quite regularly now. Whenever you're here, we will be doing the videos. Mm -hmm. And also, we are now on iTunes. No, we're not yet on iTunes. So it's soon, just, soon. Just in the approval stage. We're, we're expecting this any day now. 
Same with Deezer, mm-hmm. all, all of our, you know, mainly French guys. I think Deezer is a very, very French program. <laughs> but we are on Spotify. We are on Spotify indeed. Yeah. So um, when you listen to this as a podcast, not as a video, yeah. Um, you know, follow us on Spotify. That will help us a lot. If once this whole thing comes on iTunes, do give us five stars because it helps us to move up the ranks. Yeah. Yeah. Which is uh, a very, very give nice some top notch ratings. Help yep, us out. Please do that. <laughs> and um, of course. In general, you know, leave the comments on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, that's the, that, that helps us a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, if you are, you know, subscribing with other, you know, other, you know, podcast apps, um, use the Podigy link that comes with an RSS feed. So I'm pretty, pretty sure we're almost like, you know, accessible anywhere. Yeah, we're pretty, pretty well covered now. Yeah, I think we're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so any comments, feedback, yeah, let please. us know. Drop everything into the comments on various different channels where like, this is going to be. everything. Yeah, do all of that good stuff. Yeah. And um, yeah, thank you very much again for joining us for another episode of Gestalten. And we'll see you for the next one. We'll see you soon. Thanks, guys. Take care.